insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. We have come to a very, very exciting and very important juncture in our meditation and perusal of the subject, the Foursquare Jesus. This series of teachings has taken so much longer than I thought it would take. But I believe it is important that we took our time to teach on these various facets and aspects of the Lord Jesus Christ, his principles, his personality, his presence, and even his person. I think the world has been poorly served by certain elements of the church who choose to emphasize only one side of the Lord Jesus. There are those who, for example, have chosen to emphasize his compassion above anything else, his merciful kindness, his compassion, his gentleness. And they they do the world a great deal of disservice because Jesus, though on one side, on one hand, is genuinely empathetic and compassionate and sympathetic and kind. On the other hand, he's quite brutal. He would, on one occasion, he made belts and flogged people, physically threw people out of a temple because they had turned his father's house into a place of merchandise. They had turned holy things into a, a, a den of thieves. Jesus would call Herod a fox. Jesus was very vicious against the spiritual elites, the religious elites, the, the scribes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees, the aristocrats of the day. He called them whited sepulchers, for example. He called them blind, blind guides who are guiding blind people. And both the people offering guidance and the people being guided will end up in a ditch. Jesus referred to the Syrophoenician woman as a dog when she came with a very pressing need for her child to be healed. Jesus blatantly and uh, quite uh, uh, succinctly said, the healing is the bread of the children and the children must be fed before the dogs are fed. Well, he's not insulting her by any means. uh, Because the Lord loves animals. He created animals for a purpose and there will be animals in heaven. But my point is, Jesus is not always nice and teddy bear and huggy and touchy-feely. Sometimes he was, he was quite t- hard. He was quite tough. And so the implication is there's a time to be nice and kind and soft. And there's a time that requires anger, that requires some strength. There's, there are times and seasons that require tough love. It's a great disservice to the body of Christ when we as a people get spiritually addicted to certain aspects of Jesus' character. Uh, Some would, for example, emphasize his healing ministry to the uh, negligence of other aspects of his teaching. So I believe that this series of teachings has done great service even to myself because I must confess to you at this time that the subject for which We are focused now on which we are focused now. I have not taught a series on this subject in over 30 years of preaching the gospel full time. That's an indictment on me as a person, but even a greater indictment on the body of Christ. So we began months ago from last year already to begin to look at 
the four dimensions of the ministry of Jesus. Of course, his ministry is so grand, so multifaceted, that four will not do, uh, do it justice. But we are basing it off of Sister Amy Semple McPherson, the founder of the Foursquare Gospel Churches International, who had a vision and came up with four things about the ministry of Jesus. First of all, there is a savior from sin. Second of all, that he is a healer of the body. In other words, he is a savior of the body also. Salvation for the spirit, salvation for the soul, salvation for the physical body. Thirdly, Sister Amy Semple McPherson said Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. According to John the Baptist, I baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me whose sandals I'm not even worthy to bear or to unlatch. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And the fourth dimension is Jesus is the soon coming King. And haven't, at least as far as we could, to the best of our ability, haven't exhaustively for this time looked at jesus as savior from sin jesus as healer of the physical body and the mind the maladies and the diseases and the sicknesses of the soul and the spirit and the body we now proceed to the final phase of this series of teachings with excitement on one hand and with trepidation on the other hand because even for me this is uncharted territory now, let's take our text. We're going to take about four texts because this subject is very uh, wide and very comprehensive. Holy Spirit, please help us not to do injustice or violence to your word today. Help us to present a balanced outlook, a heavenly outlook that is current with your present truth for to the intent that your people may be blessed, that they may be equipped, that they may be empowered to live their best Holy Spirit lives, that none will be ashamed at the appearing of the, of the Son of God, that none will be embarrassed at His coming, but that none will be also embarrassed in the present, that they will have the best of heaven for today, for tomorrow, even for the day after tomorrow, in the name of Jesus. If you are able to turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 1, our first text, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7. I read from the King James Version. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Verse 8, as a bonus, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, which is to come. He is coming with the clouds, ladies and gentlemen. But when he comes, it's going to be a global phenomenon. All eyes will see it. It will be even those who pierced him, those who mocked him, those who rejected him, those who dismissed his second coming, those who made a career of detracting from his integrity, all eyes will see, all tribes and tongues, all the ethnicities of the earth, all the peoples of the earth will see it coming. It will not be a secret coming. It will be global in, in, in outreach, global in status. Jesus is coming in the clouds. All the kindreds of the earth shall well before him. 
second scripture. Acts chapter 1 verse 9 to 11. Acts chapter 1 and verse 9 to 11. Jesus had appeared to his disciples for several weeks, teaching them different aspects of the kingdom, walking through locked doors, eating with them, and then walking out, showing them proof that it was he who was crucified, who was buried in the grave, whose spirits were dr- driven to the bottom, to the belly of hell, who has now resurrected and is showing them. So after all this time, in verse 9, and when Jesus had spoken these things, while they looked on, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Jesus turned off the power of gravity and locally turned off the electromagnetic force of the earth so that he effortlessly ascended physically into the clouds. Verse 10, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up physically, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. This same Jesus in like manner. This same Jesus will come down the same way he went up. The only difference is when he went up, only a handful saw him do it. When he comes down, the whole globe will know it. Every race, every tribe, every people, they will know it when he returns. In the same manner he went up. He came out, He went up as a physical person. He will return as a physical person. This is exciting. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 22. First Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 22. If any man does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, maranatha. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. If any man does not love the Lord Jesus, let him be accursed. And Maranatha. Now the word Maranatha is originally Aramaic, an Aramaic word that was transliterated into Greek. And it has different meanings and different renditions and different connotations by different translations of the Bible. For example, some translation interprets Maranatha as in, come Lord Jesus. Others interpret Maranatha as our Lord is coming. Some others say our Lord has come. The implication is the coming of the Lord was real to the early saints, the early church. It wasn't some figment of their imagination. It wasn't a phoebe. It wasn't a myth or a fable. It wasn't something that was made up. It wasn't a cunningly devised fable. Jesus promised he was coming again. The prophets declared he's coming again. All the ancient scriptures, starting from Enoch to Malachi, speak about his coming again. It was very genuine expectation that had far-reaching consequences for the church. 
Let us go to our final text, John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. The Gospel of John chapter 14, from verse 1 to 3, Jesus speaking. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. The truth cannot lie. We can do nothing against the truth but for the truth. Millennia of mockery, millennia of faithlessness in his coming does nothing against his coming. Jesus is coming as surely as the sun will set tonight, as surely as the sun will rise tomorrow. He will come again because he cannot lie. I will come again and I will receive you unto myself so that where I am, am there you may be also and whither verse 4 whither i go ye know and the way and the way ye know jesus says i've gone to prepare mansions for you and when i'm through i will come back i will receive you to myself so that where i am there you will also be now the first question that comes to mind is that if these things be true why is this subject the least talked about subject possibly to my mind in my experience for the last 30 years? Why is this the least talked about subject in the body of Christ? As I said earlier, so many emphasize different aspects of the coming of the body of Christ. Very few emphasize his coming, his return to the earth. You know, he came the first time as a lamb led to the slaughter, helpless. But he's returning as a lion of a tribe of Judah. He's returning as a prince of all the rulers of the earth. He's returning as the king of kings and the lord of lords. And he's returning to take us home. He's returning to take us to our mansions in heaven. The hope, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to the book of Titus, chapter 2, verse 13, is the blessed hope of the church. Why did we give up on this blessed hope? Titus. 213. What is what 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 counterfeit has the enemy offered us to look away from the blessed hope of the church? Looking for that blessed hope, Titus 2.13, and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. His coming will be glorious. His coming holds tremendous promise for the saints. His his coming is not necessarily a great thing for everyone. For many, it will be a season of mourning. It will be a season of great pain. It will be a season of great mischief, a great tragedy. That's why Revelation says, many will wail on account of his coming. But for those of us who are looking for that blessed hope, it's going to be glorious because we are going to be walking on air, according to the message translation. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he may redeem us from all iniquity, not some, not most, all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. His purposes cannot be defeated. His purposes cannot be truncated. His purposes cannot be destroyed. His purposes cannot be reversed. We must look for that blessed hope. 
And in looking for that blessed hope, we must understand that he gave himself for us, not to make us Christians, make us professors of religion, but to practically and experientially redeem us from all weakness, all feebleness of the spirit and the soul and the mind and purify unto us a strange people. A people that don't belong to this world system, a people who operate outside of this world system, a people who cannot be decoded or deciphered by the culture, a people who cannot be stopped, a people who are just strange, extraordinary, super normal people, not normal, superior to normal, but zealous unto good works, that even when they hate us, even when they cannot understand us, they cannot deny that we are a special race of people. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is the glorious hope of the church. And the de- if the devil succeeds in taking that glorious hope away from us, what else do we have? In many, many chapters of the church, the devil has taken the hope of the eternity completely out of the picture. When they talk about hope, they talk about things getting better on this side. When they give hope to those who are struggling financially, they tell them tomorrow will be better than today. That is not bad in itself, but our hope goes beyond the scope of this world. Our hope must go beyond the horizon of this world. If our hope is limited to this world, we are really a huge contradiction in terms. The expectation that Jesus will come is the blessed hope of his calling. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Paul praying for the Ephesian church. He says, I pray that the God of glory, the, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. And the first thing he prays for, that you may know the hope of his calling, the future that he had in mind when he called us. Christians have a fantastic future. We cannot allow the enemy to rob us of the expectation of that future because that will certainly have a lot of implications, real implications. The early church was obsessed with the coming of Jesus. As a matter of fact, the early church turned the word Maranatha, which we have just spoken about recently, they turned it into a prayer and they turned it into a declaration. They turned it into a prayer, a declaration, and greetings. Among themselves, the early church expected him to come in their lifetime. The early church expected him to come any time. Well, I happened to be to come to Christ during a revival that swept through universities and colleges in my native country of Nigeria in the 70s and in the 80s. I got saved in the 80s. And in this revival, there was a very strong emphasis of separation from the world, of preaching against carnality and worldliness, and an emphasis on the second coming of Christ. It was not uncommon for people to be afraid they had missed the rapture. If, for example, they got up in the morning and everyone had left home, people were conscious and obsessed with the fact that one day Jesus will return and they had no business missing that day. The church definitely looked so much different in our countries and in Africa as a whole than it did in the 70s and in the 80s. 
Why? Because when people have the expectation, when people have this blessed hope blazing and alive in their hearts, it touches on every aspect of their lives. This hope changes everything. I also have another disclaimer. I am no expert in eschatology and in end-time affairs. I am not here for speculations and conjecture. I am not here to draw timelines and datelines. I am here to help prepare the body of Christ for that second coming. I'm here to help prepare you so that you are not embarrassed and you are not ashamed when that comes. One of the things that has put many people off of eschatology and end-time studies is the speculations. Is the conjecture, is the guesswork, is the trial by error. I have personally been discouraged from looking to the subject myself because there was so much guesswork. But two things can be true at the same time. It may be true that there has been so much guesswork. It may be true that prophecy teachers and eschatology scholars have, have been wrong on so many accounts, but that does not set aside our need to focus on what Jesus says for us to focus on. I pray for you today that as we go through these studies, your heart will burn within you and the, the, the wonderful hope, the blessed hope, the glorious hope of Jesus' coming will come alive in your heart and it will prepare you for the greatest most exciting life possible on this earth and in the world to come. Until next time, God bless you. Thank you for listening to Focus on Freedom podcast. For more information, please visit olugeorgeministries.global or send a WhatsApp inquiry to plus two seven eight one. 3006633 Also like subscribe and share our content on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube. See you next time. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.